Hello, and welcome to the Kill Gym Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Coddy. Thank you for joining us. On the show, we like to place an emphasis on keeping you up to date with an array of products that you can use in the industry. And today, I'm thankful to be blessed by one of the inventor of a such product, Ian Urquhart, the inventor of the AF Amicus. Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Nice, nice to be on it. Um, I think the best way to start then is mainly talking about yourself and your experience before we get onto the product itself. Um, what is your relationship like with the industry and what's your experience within pest control? I started off in the first May after the bank holiday, May in 1973. So for right. when most pest control officers weren't even alive, uh, I was in, employed as a rodent operative by the local environmental health department. Uh, I was there for four years. Um, after that, I went off to Saudi Arabia and worked for the 18th largest chemical company in the world, then called Sibagaygi. And I worked uh, in Saudi Arabia for seven years. Uh, what is quite astonishing, the, the pests in Saudi Arabia are very similar to what we have over here. But of course, you had the exotics, you had scorpions, adders, uh, camel spiders. Um, and what I, I I'm led to believe there's a lot of pest control officers have a lot of Middle East experience out there. So there'll be people viewing this thinking, yeah, I've been in the Gulf and yes, we dealt with all of those pests as well. But cockroaches, you know, American cockroaches, um, uh, rats and mice. Um, one of the unusual ones I dealt with was a kangaroo rat. And I only remember it well because its scientific name is Jaculus Jaculus. So we know that <laughs> name, but uh, that will stick with me forever. <laughs> so uh, returning from Saudi Arabia, that was 1978, I went into business with two other English guys who, uh, one of them is known to the industry, a guy called Kevin Higgins, who's now retired, who worked for the BPC and also for himself. Um, and I worked with him in a company called Baron Pest Control for... Uh, six, seven years, but I've been running my own company, Advanced Pest Management, since 1992. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get to the 50-year mark. So May of next year is 50 years. Wonderful. You're going to sell, how are you going to celebrate? Yeah, well, uh, probably retiring. I don't know. <laughs> uh, there are other things I'd like to possibly invent, and you need to actually have time off to be able to do it because I run a small pest control company anyway, that uh, or be that I'm trying to be acting as if I'm semi-retired. I'm as busy now as I've ever been. So um, there's a lot of self-employed people out there know exactly where I'm coming from. Um, so you mentioned the idea of invention there. Then let's get to the concept of the AF Amicus itself. Um, when was that devised? And if anything, did anything inspire it? Well, um, the reason why I looked at it was obviously being in pest control for nearly five decades. I, along with a lot of pest control people in the industry, even when we know what we're doing, how many non-targets have we killed by mistake? And probably not through uh, placing baits incorrectly, but from secondary poisoning, which up until you know recently, we can't preclude birds of prey, uh, songbirds, uh, you know, getting onto the bait sometimes if it's spilt, or predating small animals, or actually getting to the carcasses of rodents. So. I thought I need to give something back to the industry. So I need something that looks after wildlife. And there was this notion in my head, that expression, rat up a drain pipe. That was constantly in my head. And I thought, where's that come from? I even Googled it and I have found nothing on this expression of rat up a drain pipe. But I thought, 
right, I need to design something that is up off the ground. So that's already going to preclude so many of the smaller mammals from getting in. I also need to design it so the entry points are only for rats. So in 2012, I used an independent laboratory. It doesn't exist anymore because nobody likes people messing with animals anymore. But I wasn't looking to poison anything. I was just trying to find something that is accessible by, by rodents. And in the, I started off in the summer of 2012. By the autumn, I designed the A of Amicus as we know it. Um, and the scientists that helped me uh, develop it in these laboratories were saying, Ian, you need to get it so it works for eight week old young juvenile rats and then everything above that older rats than, than eight weeks. So within a three month period, I had found that out. And I don't know if you can see this, but this looks nothing like the AF amicus, but this, this is very likely the, the bait station that I used that obviously now what Kildrum have brought to market emulates this. Um, so you mentioned that you, you picked that up. Let's speak about the design. Um, with us being an audio medium, you might have to have some very nice uh, linguistic skills to describe it. For those that haven't seen it, how does it look, the amicus then, essentially? Well, the, the, the actual new one now? Yes. It's obviously all plastic. It's the only thing in the old bake station that's plastic are the two tubes that are here. So along with um, Mark Ward, he's, he's created this bake station in plastic. And quite rightly, he's designed it in such a way that it takes any, anything and everything that kills themselves for, you know, the control of rats. So essentially it is designed that way. So rats are the only entry point or the only animal that should enter it, therefore limiting the uh, non-species targets. Absolutely. And the fact is it's designed, it's, it's large. I don't think there's a larger bait station on the planet for, for rodents, for rats. And I read a paper from maybe three decades ago that said rats do like to feed together. Now, all the bait stations that have been created over the last three decades, two decades, are smaller. So it only ever allows one rat to get in to actually mm -hmm. feed from it. And what's actually surprising with this on film, because I filmed this when I did field trial trials, and um, I actually never got more than one in even this large bait station. It's not to say it doesn't happen. Okay, mm. so uh, the, the thing that was uh, interesting is when I designed it, I got my brother-in-law to build the box. I never asked him for two holes. I asked him for one. <laughs> what is fascinating about this, when I had it on film, the rats that were entering and eating, and it was only, it was never toxic bait. It was actually fruits and what have you. They would come in one way and always exit the other. Mm. So... The, the design was by default that we had an entry point. They entered one way and always exited the other. Now, I don't know if that was because maybe another dominant rat would come in behind it, but they, they liked the idea of going in one entrance and out the other. And that was common in a lot of the film that I took when I was doing the field trials. What I should say is the easy thing was developing this in the laboratory. The hardest part was actually going in and doing field work <laughs> with a bait station made of um plywood um so that's interesting let's maybe go towards that in terms of fields trialed and field work what went into that what was the research that you uh, undertook right what i you can imagine or pest control officer can understand i had to find a, a farmer 
who was willing to let a rodent population get out of hand. <laughs> now, how many people in rodent pest control can actually say, yes, I found a farmer. Now, we have a local farm that's only just down the road. And the gamekeeper looked after the chickens. That wasn't part of our contract. He was a, a sort of character who would allow the rats to get out of hand. So I, I had an ideal situation where I could go and test the bait station like you saw earlier. Now, pest control officer will understand this. I went into a situation introducing a new bait station. There were rats already on site. Now, most self-respecting pest control officers are thinking there's no way you're gonna get a rat entering a bait station where there's an own infestation and you have a new bait station. So sure enough, I put the bait station right on the fence line of the chicken coop. I got nothing going into it. Somebody suggested put peanut butter in there. That very night, the rats entered. I have it on film. What I didn't know was that within the 24 hour period up to that, the gamekeeper had poisoned the rats. So I got the proof of it and the rats were dead the next day because they'd taken rodenticide. So for my, for my money, I did the impossible. I introduced a bait station that was brand new on site. So new object reaction I had to overcome. Uh, there were rats already on site um, and they were poisoned within me, within me showing the world, yes, rats have accesses and taken everything that was inside it. They were poisoned. So you couldn't write a book about what's happened with me bringing this to market. It's just unreal. Um, I quite like the idea of maybe touching on that process thing because I think it'd be interesting for pest controls to learn more about how their products get to market then. How did it change from prototype to now and how did it eventually get to market? What was that avenue like? Uh, I met uh, uh, um, an area representative of Killgerm at mm. Nutsford service stations five or six years ago. This chap is actually retired now and showed in the box and asked would you be interested? Are you interested in this bait station? So my associate, I mean, I've been with Kilgerm for 30 years. I've been a customer of Kilgerm Chemicals for 30 years. Now, in the space of time when Kilgerm saw my bait station, I had to then do a presentation to all of the top people at Kilgerm Chemicals. So that came not long afterwards. Unfortunately, then one of my men broke his leg and in a small company, I had to do his work for half a year almost so and I then uh, started working with your Mark Ward and he obviously made sure that the box that was attached to the tubes are exactly the right size and everything else and it's taken this length of time so maybe half a dozen years because obviously oh, wow. your own team of inventing their own things so this had to stand in line with everything else but it's taken 10 years for that product to come to market um, I do understand that some people say there's a reluctance of rats going into the bait station. Well, I'm going to throw that back to pest control officers. We're, we're innovators. You're telling me every bait station you put down on a farm a rat is enticed to go into it. Sometimes you have to entice the rat in the conventional bait stations. This is no different. Find something that will entice them to come in because the, the, the rats will go into this type of new bait station, even though it's totally novel and it's not seen anywhere else in the world. Let's maybe move on to then the efficacy of the product and maybe just like what makes it successful. You mentioned the idea that it can prevent non-target species from entering. I guess another reason, another reason why it helps is because it allows rodenticides maybe more suitable use. I mean, if it's kept within these boxes and also it limits slugs and snails, is these sort of things that you pride the product on? 
Well, what is surprising, you just made the comment, which is interesting about the slugs. Um, Mark Ward had these, the prototypes of this on a farm and he never had slugs coming into them. Um, so that is actually just a bonus that appears to have arisen. Oh, right. Obviously, uh, uh, for a slug to go up a wall, traverse upside down, go down a tube, then up into a tube. So it was just a bonus that was. But the, the actual bait station that we have now that's been brought to market, it takes a, a bait tray, it takes breakback traps. So you can put paste in there, you can put loose grain in there. You've got a rod that's also in the bait station, so you can all, use all of the blocks. So it's, it's universal as far as I'm concerned. So, um, and it was designed that way. And, and maybe you have to credit your own Mark Ward to make sure that what was eventually produced albeit my invention, it was something that accommodated everything. So it's built for any and every situation as far as I can see. Um, in terms of um, where it's particularly useful, can it be used anywhere? Is there any regulations in terms of baiting outside? Because obviously it's a product to be used outdoors, I guess, predominantly. If, if the, it, the only uh, thing that stops it is if the bait can't be used outside. Right. You know, in other words, you can use anything, and this this bait station can be used in most situations. I think what is uh, uh, makes me smile is with auditors. You know, you have your external bait stations. They run around the building of a factory. Now there could be shrubberies all the way around that factory. And somebody pointed out to me in a seminar, or I was just listening, and he was saying we've forgotten the use of actually putting bait stations in the shrubbery. And of course, Kildrum Chemicals now have a stand. So the AF amicus can now be freestanding. And I believe we need to not forget about what orders are telling us, but we need to really be careful about where we place our bait stations. So because the stand's been developed, this bait station can be used in any and every situation. And for my money, it's a case that um, if, you were do, if you're doing a risk assessment on a site, I mean, I actually smile when people say, do a risk assessment. There are birds of prey above our own houses. They're there all of the time. So for my money, we should be actually anticipating there is wildlife everywhere we carry out pest control, whether it's in an inner city or out there in the sticks. So yeah. this, this has a, a pride of place as far as I'm concerned, especially with uh, um, there are some rodenticides out there now have no secondary poisoning. It's, you know, we've come, a long way in the last 49 years that I've been in pest control. Yeah, I completely agree with that sentiment. Um, we spoke about then about inside the bait box, what you can put in there in terms of traps and products inside. Is there anything that works particularly well? Or is it just a, a case of being creative and trying to entice the uh, yes, animals in? Uh, as I said, with me, I used um, peanut butter. The very same day I used the peanut butter, I got it on film. I mean, I couldn't believe on film some of these rats because they backed into the camera because I used the game cameras that we use in pest control. And these rats didn't look like, you know, comic characters. They were so, so big. So, um, oh, your peanut butter. And I'm being told now people are using licorice. So oh, I hate nice. the rats. I love li licorice. They're not having my licorice. So, and there must be a lot of pest control officers out there saying, yeah, Ian, use this to entice them in. And of course, you've got your own lures in, in Kill Germs catalogue as well. So, uh, but as I said earlier, bait stations on the ground, all rats don't, don't go into those. So when people say the rats won't go into this bait station, they will, we have it on record. We have, you've got customers who've actually done a, an, an, an article and 
the guy was in Scotland, if I remember, and he was using breakback traps. And he, he spoke, he photographed his success rate. So maybe we should talk to the Scots guy in Scotland and say, what did you entice him in with? Because he got them to go into the bake station. Time to expect a call. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, I think something else I quite like to mention maybe with the product, is there anything that you think you can really give to the customers or to pest controllers in general that can really help them get the most out of the amicus is it maybe something to do with the height off the ground is there a certain height that needs to be um higher yes. to? a template comes with each one of these boxes of four bait stations and the template gives you the exact height and within the bait station there's there's actually an adjustment where you can actually raise it or lower it but it comes at a certain height so if you think rats are still getting in at that height you can knock it up another notch just mm. to give you an idea of uh, how far we went when we were experimenting with it. We had behavioral resistant mice who used to stand on each other's shoulders to get to the mark where there's a cut in the, in the actual tube. And I, I designed it in such a way they couldn't quite reach it. Had they managed to reach that, they would have then managed to get into the bait station. Mm. But who has ever heard of behavioral resistant mice standing on each other's shoulders to access the food? But so if you consider that's how far I went to find something that um, is as event environmentally friendly as possible. So it's only looking at specific, you know, species, the rats. Yeah, I, I really do love the emphasis that you've definitely shown throughout your, the genesis of this idea of pace, placing on being sustainable and environmentally friendly with the pest control. I think that's a big thing. That's definitely, it's definitely not going to go away. The toothpaste is out of the, um, out of the tube, so to speak with that. It's not going to go anywhere. No, no. So, um, as I said before, I'm responsible for maybe the deaths of a lot of non-targets, not through me being unprofessional, but because we had nothing in our arsenal for 50 years to make use of that stopped, you know, birds of prey, you know, scavengers getting hold of bait or actually dead carcasses. So uh, I'm trying to offset not so much my carbon imprint, but what I've done to wildlife in the last 50 years. Wonderful. I think you've done it. Um, finally, then, I kind of want to go back to maybe future developments and so on with you. You, you spoke about a desire maybe upon semi-retirement retirement to maybe go back into uh, inventions and so on. Is there anything down the line that you're happy to talk about or any areas that you'd like to see improved in pest control? Uh, the, the, the thing I have in my mind at the moment is controlling mice, the ones that will not enter any bait stations. Mm. So I'm fortunate. I think outside of the box. So I have ideas I wish to uh, expand on, but this could be pie in the sky. It's like, I I'm wondering, digressing totally away from rodent control, I'm wondering whether you can actually sort of uh, uh, use technology today to frighten birds off buildings by actually showing them a film of a peregrine falcon taking one or two of them out. Mm. There there's so many things that we, we need to look at uh, that might help us be innovative in, in, in pest control. The, you know, there's so many things waiting to be discovered where we're not having to kill the animals, we're just driving them away. So it's exciting times. I need to live another 50 years doing pest control for what I need to do. I think the idea might have legs if my dog's anything to go by. Whenever we watch in Attenborough and a lion comes on the screen, the dog isn't happy. He, yeah. he, he scarpers. <laughs> my dogs are exactly the same. One of the two of them recognises what's going on. So, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. Great. Thank you very much, Ian, for joining us. That's brilliant stuff. Have a good day and I'll be speaking to you soon.
Thanks once again to Ian Urquhart for coming on the podcast then, the inventor of the AF Amicus. I think it's really important, like I said in the interview to Ian, to maybe see this creative process. I think it helps give you a bit more of an affinity towards the products you use and just a little bit more of a rounded knowledge whilst using such equipment in the field. Coming up in the next episode of the podcast, we're going to have Alan Buckle joining us and we're going to talk about Crew, the campaign for responsible resenticide use, and we're going to talk about its place in the industry. Finally then, let's get to the code, the only important code you'll need for this podcast to apply for basis points through the website is Papa Alpha November Delta Alpha. Until next time, see you later.